Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to The Haunted Collection with your host, writer, paranormal investigator, and haunted collector, Kevin Kane, here to bring you more frightening tales of terror, chills to keep you awake at night. If you haven't visited my website yet, be sure to go to myhaunteddolls.com and check out my books in my shop. I'm sure you'll find something that will meet your creepy needs. If you like good ghost stories and scary tales, I have them out there. Buy your autographed copy today. They are also available on Amazon and Books a Million online or Kindle if you need ebook. There are also a couple of them on audiobook if you have Audible. Be sure to check that out. You can hear me tell the stories of my old haunted neighborhood in my audiobook version of Legends of Indian Narrows, Ghostly Childhood Memoirs. I hope you do enjoy those tales as much as I enjoyed telling them. And now let's get down to business. We are here on... The week leading up to Valentine's Day, it's going to be Valentine's Day this Sunday, so I thought, why not share some creepy Valentine stories to get you ready for the holiday of love? (laughs) And here we go. Why not start out with a nice creepy tale I found that really made me cringe. This one is called... Valentine Message Stephanie was a normal, happy teenager who was very popular in school. She was the prettiest girl in the 11th grade, and every guy wanted to date her. However, at the age of 16, Stephanie had no experience with boys. She felt that she just wasn't ready to have a boyfriend and had not even experienced her first kiss. One day, at the start of February, Stephanie was checking her Facebook account when she received a message from somebody she did not know. It was a user who went by the name of Who Am I? And he had no photos of himself on his profile just a picture of a red rose next to a heart-shaped box of chocolates. The message read, Stephanie, will you be my valentine? Stephanie was a little creeped out. She had no idea who he was, so she just replied, No thanks, and logged off. A few days later, she got another message from the mysterious user. It read, Stephanie, I like you. Please be my valentine. Stephanie decided that the best thing to do was not reply. She did not want to encourage him, so she just deleted the message and tried to put it out of her mind. However, When Valentine's Day arrived, Stephanie checked her Facebook account and found another message waiting for her. 
It read, I don't just like you, I love you, and I want you to be my valentine. At this point, Stephanie feared that she had a stalker on her hands. She wanted to end the harassment once and for all, so she sent an angry reply. Look, whoever you are, I'm not interested, she wrote. How could you be in love with me? You've never even met me. You're obviously some sad, lonely, ugly, disgusting, repulsive loser who has too much time on his hands. Get this into your thick head, you creep. I don't like you. I hate you, and I will never be your valentine. Then thirty seconds later, she received another message. We'll see about that, it read. When I come to your house tonight, I'll make you my valentine. Stephanie was terrified. Her parents were out of town, and they wouldn't be back for days. She called her friend Tracy and told her about the disturbing messages. Tracy offered to come over that night and keep her company. She said she would bring her brother Jake with her. Jake owns a rifle and he often goes hunting with my dad, she said. He's a crack shot. If anything happens, he'll be able to protect us. That evening, just as it was growing dark, Tracy and her brother finally arrived. Stephanie was overjoyed to see them and ushered them inside. They turned off all the lights in the house and made sure all the doors and windows were securely locked. Jake crouched down in the darkened hallway, his trusty rifle by his side. He positioned himself directly opposite the front door and aimed his rifle, ready to shoot anyone who tried to come in. You girls better wait upstairs, he said. Don't worry about a thing. If this jerk turns up, he'll have to get through me first. Tracy and Stephanie ran up the stairs and barricaded themselves in the bedroom. Sitting in the darkness, they passed the time by playing games on Tracy's phone. Suddenly, they heard the sound of the front door opening. The girls froze. Three gunshots rang out. Bang, bang, bang! Followed by an eerie silence. Stephanie and Tracy sat on the bed, too scared to say a word. Their hearts were beating fast, and they were almost afraid to even breathe. The tension was unbearable. After a while, they heard a soft voice outside the bedroom door whispering, Stephanie! Stephanie! The girls were clutching each other, trembling in fear. 
Stephanie struggled to speak. Is he dead? She whispered. Suddenly the door burst open and a dark figure stepped into the room. Tracy turned on the flashlight and shined it in the figure's face. It was an old man with wrinkled skin, a bald head, and a long white beard. Yes, he's dead, (laughs) the man chuckled. Then he pulled out a meat cleaver, and with one mighty swing, he sliced off Tracy's head. Stephanie felt her friend's blood splash against her cheek. She screamed in horror and fell to her knees. Why? Why? she cried. Why are you doing this to me? The man raised the cleaver above his head again and brought it crashing down, splitting Stephanie's head in two. Because you're my valentine, he replied. I don't just like you. I love you, valentine. And I want to kill you. hope you enjoy that incredibly disturbing story. But guess what? Don't get too comfy because the Valentine horror continues. We move on to our next story. Just as terrifying as the last. (laughs) And this one is called Valentine's Gift. Elle Winston was the talk of the town. She was a beautiful young girl with green eyes and pink lips that complemented her soft, pale skin. In addition, she had perfect cheekbones and an attractive hourglass figure. Her father was rich, and he spoiled her, buying her everything she wanted. She always had the most fashionable clothes, the most expensive makeup, and lived a decadent and luxurious life. On Valentine's Day, Elle picked out a red velvet dress with a black bow with matching red stilettos to wear to school. She wanted to be dressed for the occasion. The teachers were so used to seeing her daring outfits that they hardly paid attention anymore. When she arrived at the school, she strutted down the hall with an air of confidence and pride. Murmurs, wolf whistles, and scoffs filled the hallway. Everyone's eyes were upon her as Elle made her way to her locker, smiling all the way, her lovely head held high. 
When she opened the door to her locker, a pile of love notes and gifts poured out, spilling onto the floor at her feet. She picked them all up and stuffed them into her designer handbag. Elle noticed one love note that stood out from the rest. It was a black it was black and was cut into a deformed shape that somewhat resembled a heart. There was some writing on the front. It read, My love, for the longest time I have watched you from afar. I think it's time we finally met. Please rendezvous with me in the cafeteria. For you, I have a very special gift. A gift that is a bit different from the others you may receive today. When you see it, you might just throw a fit. Just meet me at the cafeteria salad bar at 3 p.m. sharp. With love, XOXOXO. Elle giggled as she thought about her secret admirer and wondered what kind of gift he was going to present her with. She hoped it was expensive and was anxious to meet him. She neatly tucked the letter into her handbag and went to her first class. The time went by very quickly, and before she knew it, it was almost three o'clock. Elle declined all her lunch invites, including the one from Brian, her latest crush. The glamour girl stood by the salad bar, eager to find out who her new secret admirer was. Could it be Brian? She wondered as she waited. Or maybe it's Ashton. No, no, it's Brian. Brian for sure. Within minutes, a tall figure emerged from behind a partition and nervously tapped Elle on the shoulder. Hi, Elle. An awkward nasal voice croaked. She cringed in disgust when she turned and saw Melvin, the school nerd, standing behind her. Elle's face turned red and she flew into a rage. You dork, she screamed angrily. You got me all worked up, thinking about a secret admirer. What a letdown. What is your problem? I turned down Brian Miller to meet you here. Brian Miller. He's only the hottest guy in the school. Get out of my face, you wimp. You've ruined everything, stupid nerd. Melvin's eyes began to water. He opened his mouth to speak, but the words just would not come out. He looked around, only to find half of the school was staring at him, laughing at his misery, and taking pictures of him with their camera phones. He was utterly humiliated. Melvin stormed out of the school with his hands covering his face to hide the tears. Elle soon regained her composure and settled down at a table with her friends. They just talked about Melvin 
and what an ugly, weird, repugnant, socially retarded loner he was. Elle snickered at every insulting adjective they heaped upon him. She could not care less about Melvin's feelings. After lunch, the day seemed to be going so slowly, and Elle grew very bored. During her final class, she yawned and stretched her arms. Just then, she happened to look out the window and gasped in horror. Melvin was sitting outside in the schoolyard. He was rocking back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and cutting himself with a knife. She watched curiously as the nerd started to slap himself repeatedly in the face. Smack, slap. L. James Winston, shouted the teacher. Is there something outside you'd like to share with the rest of the class? Embarrassed, L. shook her head and focused on the lesson. An hour passed, and the school bell finally rang. All of the students raced toward the door. All, that is, except L. She could not forget about the image of Melvin cutting himself and slapping himself insanely. She made her way home, still thinking about him. Oh, L! her mum exclaimed when she came in the door. There's a package for you in your room. A student's mom dropped it off. She said you knew her son. Confused, Elle went up to her room and found a big box lying on her bed. It was gift-wrapped and decorated with red hearts and yellow ribbons. There was a note attached to the present. It read, This was all I could afford. I hope you like it. Yours truly, Melvin. She smiled and carefully opened the package. The smile quickly faded from her face and was replaced by a look of horror when she peered into the box and saw what was inside. It was Melvin's heart. I hope you enjoyed that story. And now for another chilling Valentine tale. This one coming from the dead of winter in the snowy mountains. And the title, 455. It was raining hard, and John Calhoun was driving fast. He rounded a corner and saw the young woman at the last second. 
He slammed on the brakes. She looked up and smiled. He didn't know her, but there was something about that smile. Something so familiar. I'm sorry, he called out through the downpour. Can I give you a lift? Sure, she said. I'm headed down to Sears. My name's John, he said after she got in. John Calhoun. Nice to meet you, John Calhoun. I'm Sarah. She smiled again. They drove in silence through the rain. When they were almost there, John Calhoun looked over at the young woman and noticed that she was beginning to disappear right there in her seat, fading little by little. He stopped the car. Hey, wait a minute, he said. What's going on here? And then it hit him. It was just like one of those stories. You're a ghost, right? He said suddenly. You're dead. Well, yes, she said right before completely fading away. But so are you. John Calhoun did not understand any of what was happening. His ha- he ran his hand through his hair and then looked at his watch. 4.55 is what the time said. The date was stuck on February 14, 1991. I'm going to have to get this thing fixed. He said to himself, I'm going out of my mind. And then slowly, through a fog, he started remembering. He started remembering what had happened on February 14th, 1991. It was raining hard and he was driving fast. He rounded a corner and saw the young woman at the last second. He slammed on the brakes. She looked up and smiled. He did not know her, but there was something about that smile, something so familiar. He slammed on the brakes. Too late. Then he swerved. Again, too late. She flew through the air. John Calhoun lost control on the wet pavement. The car slammed into a tree and caught on fire. He looked down at his watch. It read 4.55. All these years later, it still read 4.55. And then, he smelled something and looked down. His arm was on fire. The flames soon engulfed the car. John Calhoun's world turned red and black. And then everything disappeared.
at least for another year. was a creepy tale and a very good twist on the old ghostly hitchhiker legend. I really love how that one was told, that particular story, 455. I think that might have been the best rendition of that old legend. Because not only do you have one ghost, but you have two. (laughs) And now we come to an end. Wait a minute. I'm not letting you go that easily, dear listener. I've got one more chilling little tale up my sleeve. And this one is called Home Early. Brenda Brown came home early. It was Valentine's and she had so much to do to get ready for her dear husband. She decided to bake his favorite, a nice hot cherry pie, just for her husband, Bob. Since Bob usually beat Brenda home, he was surprised to see her. Got off early, huh? he said. Yes, Brenda said, in a soft, loving voice. I baked your favorite. Bob could smell the pie fresh out of the oven, even before he saw it sitting on the counter. Works for me, he said and smiled. You're the best, hun. As he started for the kitchen, he noticed in the hallway that the answering machine was blinking, showing there was a message. Hun, did you not check the message? He started to say as he turned to look, but Brenda had already disappeared, most likely back to the kitchen to finish her preparations for their Valentine dinner. So he stopped the machine and began to play back the message. Mr. Brown, this is Principal Lawrence at Sunset Elementary, the voice said. I'm calling because Brenda never showed... Just then, the doorbell rang. Bob went to the door, all the while wondering what Principal Lawrence's message meant. Brenda worked for the elementary school and was always promptly on time. Had she maybe called in today to work on their Valentine celebration for the evening? Nah, that wasn't like Brenda. Bob made it to the door and opened it to find a couple of police officers standing there on the front stoop. Mr. Brown, one of the officers said, I'm afraid I have some bad news for you. Well, what is it? Bob asked. I'm I'm sorry, the officer said, but your wife 
was killed at the train, the, the train station this morning. She somehow fell from the platform and into the path of an oncoming train. A wave of chills ran down Bob's entire body. He could feel his face turning white. There must be a mistake, Bob said. My wife's right here. The officers looked at each other and back to Bob. Strange expressions crossing crossing their countenances now. It's got to be a mistake. Man, come on, she's in here, he said as he turned to hurry toward the kitchen. He went into the kitchen and found the room was empty. Maybe she'd gone to the back somewhere to the bedroom to change outfits. He hurried down the hallway to their bedroom and found it empty, their bed made, everything where it should be. He checked the bathroom as a frog formed in his throat. And nothing was there either. He hurried back into the hallway, noticing the officers had stepped inside the door. He ran down to check the guest room. He checked the guest bathroom. He checked the closets. He ran out to the deck, the lump in his throat growing larger. This can't be. Turning back, he walked back into the kitchen. And the fragrance still wafted across his nose. As he stood there, stunned and frozen, the officers appeared in the doorway of the kitchen and watched him. He looked there on the counter where, still sitting, was the hot and steaming cherry pie. But where was Brenda? Her body had been down at the morgue all day. Is it time now? Should I let you go, dear listener? Ah, I guess I will. I think I've chilled you enough for one evening. But don't go too far, because I will return soon in the near future with more tales to chill you through the night. In the meantime, don't forget to come visit my website at myhaunteddolls.com and check out my books. Also, be sure to go check out my videos on YouTube. I now have an easier link to follow. YouTube.com forward slash C forward slash My Haunted Dolls. That's YouTube.com forward slash C as in cat forward slash My Haunted Dolls. And check out my videos out there, my EVPs and spirit box sessions and evidence I've captured from the many items and dolls in my haunted collection, including the 
most recent two-hour live stream that's archived there from this past Friday, where I filmed the famous Haunted Mannequin Baby from the Travel Channel. I even captured a couple of times the sound of a ghostly dog barking. And we have no dogs in or around our house. So figure that one out. (laughs) So in the meantime, I hope you have a good Valentine's Day. I hope I didn't scare you too much out of celebrating. But always be careful. Watch out who you're with. Be careful of those secret admirers and mysterious Valentines that might show up. And when you're traveling at night, be careful. Drive safely. Look out for those ghosties out there, but by all means, have a happy haunting. Ha <laughs> ha